2: That's right. Here is your host, Diane Jones, Minister Diane Jones to some. Um, We're back on the air. It's another happy Monday. Happy Monday to you. It's a good day to be alive. Um, We're living in a great and exciting time in history, and I am glad to be a part of it. I'm still giving, uh, well, I'm not going to say I'm giving him a break, but Chris is um, just getting off the road. So he's not uh, with me tonight. Um, He's with me in spirit. But uh, we're going to move forward as usual. (laughs) We have talked about a lot of things on the show this past year and a half. Let's see. Has it been a half of a year yet? September, November, December, January, February, March. Yes. This past year and a half, we've talked about a lot of different topics, a lot of different things uh, still pertaining to our mission, which is to increase the awareness to the public of the prevalence of sexual abuse in the world, in our society here and here here in the U.S., but in the world, the prevalence of it, and to um, reach out to those who've been victimized by sexual abuse. So um, we've talked about a lot of different things, and um, early on in the sh- in the start of the show, I I shared a lot about me, and um, you know, at different times, I kind of touched on some of my story, but. I felt like tonight, I wanted to do that all over again, that I wanted to share with my listeners my own personal story. So, guess what? Our very special guest tonight is me. (laughs) Our very special guest, I always call my guests special people, all of my guests are very special, but I am my very special guest tonight, and I am going to be sharing my own personal story. Um, The Lord uh, inspired me to write a book about my story, and it is called The Story of Me. And it is, of course, a biography. And um, I will tell you that I am sipping tea. Tonight, but I'm not sipping my hot tea as usual. I am sipping some iced tea because it went well with my dinner, which was a late order of Chinese food. <laughs> because I didn't get hungry until later on this evening. So I'm not doing the, um, the hot tea as usual, but I am sipping some iced tea. It's a good substitute tonight. And the food was good, by the way. Speaking of food, um, I went to a restaurant here in the Maryland area. For the first time, I have been looking at this little spot, and I wanted to try it. It's an Indian restaurant, and um, I believe it's called Taj Mahal. I I meant to pull that card out and um, have it so that I could tell you specifically. But I am telling you, if you are ever in the D.C. area, if you're ever in uh, Maryland, near Clinton, between Clinton and D.C., there's a little spot called Taj Mahal. And if that's not correct, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i correct it as soon as I dig out the card, like maybe on the break or whatever. <laughs> the best Indian food I have ever had. I was just majorly impressed. And they're not paying me to say that, okay? They're not sponsoring me or anything. I just thought that I would pass on that little bit of information. <laughs> so... With that being said, I hope that you have your favorite beverage and that you are going to be sipping with me, um, that you will put your feet up and relax and get ready to hear a very troubling story, but a very powerful story of overcoming a story um, that is true to, to life for so many people, more people than most of us have realized, included myself. It wasn't until I started actually telling my story publicly until I published my book that I really began to see how prevalent this is, that I came out of my bubble, you know, that I came, even though I was sexually abused as a child, um, actually molested sexually abused by my father I did not realize that it was a prevalent thing I thought that um, there was something unique about me and our situation Um, it wasn't something that people talked about so I came up thinking that um, it was an unusual thing but Since I've been doing this show and since I published my my story, I have found out, sadly, but necessarily, that this is prevalent. It is an everyday occurrence. As a matter of fact, I believe millions of people are sexually abused each and every day in various ways. And that is why I want to share my story with people because I don't want them to believe like I did that they are alone. I don't want them to be tormented and struggle and remain a victim of something like this, even though they've been victimized, you don't have to stay that way. So this is an act. It's a very powerful story. It's not, let me just read the back, of, the back of my book here. This story is about a woman, that would be me, <laughs> who lived through the terror of incest and overcame the devastation that comes with such a trauma. Keyword there, overcame. Okay? It's a very devastating thing, but it can be overcome. It is not a story of self-pity. It is a story of victory and offers hope to anyone who has fallen prey to the type of spirit that would try so viciously to destroy a person's very soul and rid them of their destiny. If you have loved, been rejected, divorced, had your dreams stolen from you, been used, been abused, been molested, raped. A victim of incest, you may find yourself in my story, the story of me. And I, I need to point out, I need to point out that another reason why I do this show and why I tell my story is because I want to give honor and praise and reverence to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to God the Father for being my salvation, for being the reason that I can tell my story, for helping me to overcome, for allowing me, um, you know, and granting me the grace and, and um, the guidance and the strength that I needed to overcome this tragedy in my life I would not be here talking to you tonight if it were not for for my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, I dedicate my story and my book to my Savior. He is the lover of my soul. I love him. I love him. I love him. And I'm talking about relationship here people. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about a system of rules and, um, you know, um, bylaws and a format and um, doctrine, although that is a part of having relationship with Christ. But I'm talking about it in a very personal, very personal, very real, very alive sort of way. So... Understand uh, where I'm coming from. Well, let's see. How do you begin this story? How do I? How do I begin to even tell my story? Well, when I when I was inspired to write this, I just felt that I should go um, back as far as I could in my memory, and that I should tell it chronologically to the best of my ability. Um, and bring the reader you know take the reader from the from the onset of the memories that i do have to the present at the time and i say because of the memories that i do have because i didn't realize until i was um you know a young adult that my memories don't go back into you know, my childhood as far as being like maybe four and five and three or you know, I know some people who can remember things like as far back as two even. But I cannot remember very I can't remember very much um under the age of oh my goodness, it's break time already. T V C to be continued. <laughs>
1: Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these.
0: We'd like to thank our sponsor, Liberty Christian Center, located in Box Elder, South Dakota. They are a non-denominational, Bible-based, Holy Spirit-led deliverance ministry. Pastor Charles and Romika White, Liberty Christian Center.
2: The Mary Beth Wells Hour is a talk radio show where we reach out, reach deep, and talk about topics of substance. We'll cover points of interest such as World War II and the Holocaust, the Vietnam War, the planets and the oceans skydiving, rock climbing, and much, much more. Join me every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as we delve into and discuss fascinating subjects. It's a program to pique your interest for sure. Um, The brick comes up pretty fast, so let me start talking a little bit faster. (laughs) But what I was saying is that I don't have very prevalent memories um, under the age of um, around 10. I have a few memories that stand out in my mind that are pleasant. I was born into a military family. My father was um, in the Air Force. Uh, my mom was pretty much a stay-at-home mom, you know, housewife. We called them in those days, uh, a housewife, which um, I know people don't use that terminology much these days. But um, she was a stay-at-home mom, which I think is actually uh, a beautiful thing. Um, they married young. We had a, a pretty, I felt, unique upbringing for for um, for for who we were for being black for being african american um, you know i don 't know if there's still some people that use the term negro, but you know we I felt like, wow, this is, you know, to me, our life was pretty interesting because we traveled, we went overseas, we were stationed in places like Germany and the Philippine Islands, and we, you know, we were in Florida, we were in New Mexico, um, so, you know, I got a, a, um, a more rounded view, I think, of, of different cultures and, um, You know, we we even at one time had had a housekeeper Um, back then. We called them maids and there was nothing offensive about it. But we had it. We had a housekeeper. Um, And so I thought, wow, you know, this is is pretty cool. We were we were um, my parents were in the church. Um, They uh, professed to be Christians and took us to church and taught us. Taught us how to, um, you know, taught us about the Lord, taught us about the Word of God, um, taught us how to sing. And um, I come from a very musical and very talented family of uh, various singers and um, artistic type people um, in more ways than one. So, you know, wow, it was like life was was pretty cool. You know, we me and my sister shared a bedroom. I My brothers shared, you know, we had the girls room, we had the boys room, (laughs) but anyway, seemed like an average everyday, um, you know, family to me, very different than my upbringing. As far as my, uh, extended family, um, my grandparents were also church goers, you know, they, they came up in the Baptist church. I came up in the church of God in Christ. Um, but, They were uh, also churchgoers. However, even though they were churchgoers, they were also, um, they had a hobby and they were uh, very involved in motorcycle riding. And back then that was, uh, that was, (laughs) that was pretty different. (laughs) Um, You know, grandparents who were involved with uh, a motorcycle club. My grandpa had a huge Harley Davidson. And my grandma had a smaller Harley Davidson, and um, his handle was Papa Pete, and hers was Candy Cane. And um, they used to talk on the CB radio and go on trips and travel and stuff with their friends. And that ain't all, folks, (laughs) because even though they were church-going folks and they were active and involved in the motorcycle club, I was also surrounded by very... um, ungodly things and behaviors Um, some of my uncles i don't think all of them but some of my uncles were actually uh, pimps and um, when i would go visit my grandparents there was times that they would come and they would actually have their um, hoes as they were referred to back then um, visiting with them, and it seemed like it was perfectly normal and acceptable. You know, um, uh, one un- un- uncle in particular I can remember was um, strung out on heroin. That was the drug of choice back then, the popular drug. So, you know, my upbringing was kind of <laughs> kind of um, a mixed bag, but my parents laid a strong foundation for us for understanding about biblical principles and right and wrong and thus and so. So the funny thing or the sad and tragic thing is that somewhere along the way, um, things began to fall apart. And that was roughly around the age of 10 years old for me. Now, that's the earliest memory that I have of my father um, approaching me. Um, He became... um, a very, um, abusive person and he began to drink on a pretty regular basis. And so he would treat my mother so badly, um, verbally abusing her, cussing her, um, you know, uh, playing mind games with her, um, Miss just treating her badly to the point where or, and, and even physically abusing her to the point where she would leave. She couldn't take it anymore. So she would leave um, in the beginning. Um, well, I'm getting I'm getting ahead of myself, but she would leave and she would leave us there with my dad. And so at the age of 10 it's the first time I remember coming home from some sort of a family function, some sort of a get together. My father was drunk. And coming in my room or actually calling me into his room, calling me me into his room when my mom wasn't there. Instinctively, I knew that something was wrong with this because we were raised in a way where we, uh, you know, we were very proper. We were very obedient. um, We were... We called our parents, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, and we were taught, you know, you never go into mom and dad's room, you know, for any reason. Um, It was just kind of like sacred ground, if you will. I mean, that's the way it seemed to us. We didn't go in the kitchen or the refrigerator and get snacks and things, um, you know, without permission. We had to have permission to have a snack, and snacks wasn't something that you did regularly back then. Anyway, things were very regimented. Um, you know, we, we kept our house up, we kept our rooms up, we made our beds military style. My dad taught me how to make a, 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 a bed, a, a, a pleated corner before I went into nursing, which is much down the road. But anyway, so I instinctively knew that something was up when he called me to his room. But being 10 years old, you know, and being very obedient, and taught to be obedient, um, I went and um, my father was, I felt now I realize he was struggling with what was on his mind and what his intentions were um, because he was kind of talking out loud to himself and he was saying, well, I can't do this. I can't do this. No, I can't do this. And um, so, you know, I was asking to go back to my room and thankfully he let me go back to my room that night. Whew, thank you, Jesus. You know, I was relieved. I didn't really understand what was going on, but I just knew I was uncomfortable and I didn't want to be there. And so thank you, Lord. <laughs> I escaped that night. However, things progressed, they continued to decline. My father continued to drink. Um, He continued to abuse my mom until my mom eventually had what what they called back then uh, a nervous breakdown. Um, She had gotten so bad until she weighed uh, probably around about 85 pounds or so um, 85, 90 pounds, possibly. Um, she just became a skeleton. Um, she had just pretty much lost her, her mind, had just lost her hope, just lost her uh, will. Uh, she started doing really crazy things besides disappearing. Um, I remember distinctly looking out over the field one day. Me and my brother were out there in the carport and looking out over the field and seeing someone walking towards us coming across the field and we um, really didn't recognize this person but we knew that they were, they were just out there because they, they were totally naked, totally stark naked, hair wild, unkept. As they got closer You know, we're looking there just in amazement. And as they got closer and closer and closer, then we realized that it was our mom. It was our mom. And when she got close enough, we could see that she had yellow chili peppers, that she had crushed up yellow chili peppers and put them in her eyes. And so she had pepper seeds all around her eyes. But it was like she didn't she didn't see us she didn't recognize us she had a she had an empty blank dead stare in her eyes so she was not there and she's um walking across the field um in in this condition um and so we're we're like you know mama mama, you know, like mama, what's wrong with you? Mama, mama. And she, and she really just didn't know who we were. And I don't remember how that, I don't remember how that ended up. And that's what I mean about memories. It's like, I have gaps in my memories. Um, and, and now, because I don't think about this that often, I would probably actually have to like go back and look at my own book to make sure that that I'm not mixing times and events together because God truly has delivered me from it to the point where I can talk about it and for the most part, not be affected by it, not be not regressed in my emotions. Um, Looks like I'm getting a warning coming up on break. Uh So Oh, 30 seconds. (laughs) But, you know, I'm painting a picture for you because, you know, I I think that when you haven't experienced something like this, people just don't know the depths of um, the things that are involved and the torment and the the hell that um, children are often living in, you know, and how mental illness and how alcoholism and how sin, you know, how... Um, living an ungodly life, how living uh, according to the flesh can bring about these things. Back to the break.
1: Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be, I'm Free, with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. Second chances. We all deserve them. And we are all worthy of them. Second chances. With your host, Midge Noble. Thursdays at 8 p.m. Central on TogiNet is like coming home to warm, fresh baked cookies, a hug from Grandma, or an enthusiastic greeting from your dog. Second Chances, hosted by Midge Noble, a licensed professional counselor, is affirming, warm, genuine, validating, and thought-provoking. Second Chances is a place to be heard, a place to laugh, a place to cry, and a place to be seen. For more on Midge and Second Chances, check out MidgeNobleSecondChances.com. Our mission is to
0: equip and mature the people God calls to do the things they are called to do with confidence and boldness and to create soldiers for the army of the Lord and to impact our communities. If you are not local, you may participate via conference calls or we can make information available to you via email. Equipping the Saints Ministries is home-based in Maryland. You may write to us at Post Office Box 1616, Clinton, Maryland, 20735. Or email us at vir2us1 at verizon.net. Thank
3: God.
2: Okay, I'm back. And even with the warning, you know, I kept on talking and uh, still ran right into the music. But what I was saying is that I'm being graphic in my book and I'm telling uh, the details of a lot of the details because I think it's important for people to see what really goes on behind the scenes in these type of abusive situations. There is nothing pretty about abuse. There is nothing, you know, it is not a fairy tale. It is a horror story. People are often living in horror. And someone may say, which I have had people, I have had a few people, not many, ask me, why would you tell? all your business like this. I have had a few, uh, I can think of one person in particular at one of my book signings who asked me, but why would you put all your business out here like this? And I asked them, have you ever been abused? And of course they kind of like were taken aback by that. And I said, well, you know, when this happened to me, I thought I was the only one or one of a few, maybe. And I didn't have anybody to talk to about it. I didn't have, you know, when I finally did start opening up and telling people about it, I faced a lot of rejection. I was made to feel like and told and accused of being um, Trash. Uh, it was used against me. It, uh, people turned on me. Um, people that were supposed to love me. People that were supposed to protect me. Even when I, and of course I'm kind of jumping around here, even when I got grown and I finally started, um, when I published my book, actually, you know, I faced a backlash in my family that um, was horrible, absolutely horrible. I was re victimized all over again and you know people want to push this under the carpet and thank god i'm hearing more about it now than i ever have in my life you know um in the last year and a half i've heard celebrities come out and that's not necessarily an issue i'm not saying it like that like that's a big thing because my thing is that this is happening to everybody i mean to lots of people across every um Every class line or, or um, territory or culture, um, it is happening, you know, across the world. So celebrity or not doesn't, is not significant to me. But I'm just saying I've seen celebrities, I've heard celebrities come out and tell their story. And we wonder why, you know, we wonder why people lose it when they're trying to make it in life when they're trying to work on a job you know and meet the demands of 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 these jobs that are so demanding and so heartless and so um you know how should i say not not even oriented or geared towards people being human beings anymore um you know, and then someone finally loses it when they can't cope with the stress anymore. You never know what people have already lived through in their childhood and how they are holding on by a thread, just trying to function in life. And I am so thankful that I had a foundation. I did have a foundation, and I, be- I believe that it was because of that foundation that I, I was able to draw on strength for many years before I finally hit rock bottom myself. So anyway, let's go back to um, around the age of 10 was the first time that my dad approached me. But then it was probably, um, um, a proc, you know, maybe about a year later, if that long, maybe, maybe about a year later uh, when he actually succeeded and in molesting me in sexually abusing me I'm gonna go to the preface in my book and I'm gonna read this directly from the book because this might get me a little bit choked up Um, the flames caused a glow in the night light I didn't know if it was real It looked real, but I was suspicious. I crept down the hall, peered over the banister and down the stairs. Aha! I could see smoke. I could smell smoke. My father kept saying, come downstairs. Diane, there's a fire. Come downstairs. The house is on fire, loudly. You know, exclaiming loudly, my brothers and sisters had already run downstairs. It was odd, though, because I did not hear any exclamations from them. The flames glowed brighter. The smoke smell grew stronger. I was scared, but I didn't know what I feared the most. Should I stay upstairs by myself or should I trust my father? I decided to trust him. After all, he would not make up something like that. I ran downstairs, expecting to run outside. There he was. He grabbed me, caught me. He laughed at me. He was stark naked. He held in his hand what was left of a wax centerpiece that he had lit. It was melted down now. I saw his wicked smile. I heard him say, Gotcha. I knew it. It was a trick, a cruel plot and scheme. He connived to get me to come downstairs. This was not the first time nor would it be the last. He was drunk, sloppy drunk. He could hardly stand up. He commanded my sister and brothers to go back upstairs. He put the fire out of the centerpiece, took me in the room, and raped me. I was between the ages of 11 and 12 at the time. That is one of the most vivid and one of the most traumatic memories that I have. If you haven't lived through this, just try to imagine, you know, close your eyes and try to imagine an 11-year-old girl between the ages of 11 and 12. Try to imagine a 10-year-old, a 5-year-old. In some cases, little babies, poor little babies are being Molested, sexually abused, raped, their little bodies, you know, and their little, um, insides, especially the female babies are being ruined, you know, where if they survive, if they survive the emotional trauma, you know, their physical bodies have been damaged for life, may not even be able to conceive later on in life, um, I remember I remember even after we were delivered out of that situation, after more tragedies, after more um, more incidents and things escalating, uh, being in and out of uh, shelters, children's shelters, women's shelters, um, and things escalated to the point of us ending up in foster care. Um, Before we ended up in foster care, we were split up. We were in, you know, different relatives' homes. One trauma after the other. One trauma after the other. And then finally ending up in foster care. But I I can remember that going through life, you know, I had concerns. I had uh, reservations, um, especially when I became a young woman. About having children of my own, you know, I had a deep, I had a deep-rooted, um, I guess you could say, fear that that maybe I wouldn't be a good mother. That maybe, you know, whatever was wrong with my mom would be wrong with me. You know, I'm trying to process so many things. Uh, I was trying to process so many things, but what I later realized, and this was. Not until oh my goodness, I would say my um, late twenties early thirties when me, Diane, finally crashed and hit rock bottom, and i've kind of you know in my book i i don't i don 't skip you know I talk about my my first marriage I talk about how that was and how that added to my emotional traumas and how because of abuse um, many of us make the same kind of choices in our in our partners in our husbands and wives you know we, we end up finding the same kind of person that our abuser was and um, I believe that there's spiritual reasons for that as well as psychological and emotional reasons for it but i believe that it's a generational curse as well and um so i talk about those things a little bit more detailed in the book um for the sake of time i'm trying to kind of just get through the the general story here but i i later realized um when i when i finally hit rock bottom and crash because you know what, you can't carry this, you can't carry this um, throughout your life without it affecting you. But what I, I was, I was so used to surviving. That was my coping method is that I didn't ever really allow myself to, I didn't really know how to fully process it and, and experience it. You know, fully, it's like you go into survival mode, you, you, you put yourself in survival mode emotionally, mentally, and you do, I did what I had to do to survive. I feel so sorry for the young people now who are experiencing this. Not that any time is a good time to experience this, but so many of them haven't been given a foundation to begin with. Don't come from um, dual parent households. Uh, After the break.
1: Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. The story of me
0: is a captivating and inspiring account of a woman able to overcome incest, abuse, and neglect to find a second chance at happiness. It is a story for those who have loved and been rejected, who have dreamt and fallen short, who have survived abuse, molestation, rape, or incest. The story of me is very inspirational. For those who may see or find themselves in Diane Jones' story, you may purchase your copy of The Story of Me online at www.authorhouse.com or any of the major bookstores.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Time for you to be a rock star. Get ready to rock with Rock Talk and Craig Deswald and learn how to achieve rock star status in your industry every Tuesday afternoon at 2 1 Central on TalkingNet.com. Craig Deswald is the creator of the Rock Star System for Success. Craig will share easy tips and strategies on how entrepreneurs and businesses can use outside the box marketing strategies to stand out from the competition. Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 central on TuggyNet.com.
3: Thank God I am free. I am free.
1: Welcome back to I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on TuggyNet.com.
2: This is me, your host, Minister Diane Jones, and my very special guest, Minister Diane Jones. Me. (laughs) I am my special guest tonight because I wanted to take the opportunity to tell my story again. I haven't done this in a long time. This is the way we opened up our show. This is the way we opened, we launched our radio program, was talking about my own, my very own story. And um, I feel that it's important for me to do this. From time to time to, um, you know, in case there's someone new that hasn't gone back and listened to all the old tapings or is listening for the first time so that you can understand where I'm coming from and why, 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 why I do this show. My goal is to reach out to those who have been the victims of sexual abuse and to let them know that they can overcome that trauma and the devastation that has happened in their life they do not have to remain a victim of it but what i was saying before the break is that i finally came to a point in my life where i hit rock bottom emotionally I went through a very, um, I, I began going through a very um, ugly divorce on top of all the things that had happened in my young life. I had achieved a measure of success, if you will, as the world would call it, success as far as being able to go to school. You know, I had a beautiful daughter, I got married, um, got an education, was a, was a, a nurse. And so, you know, as far as the world concerned, that is, that's enough. That's, that's pretty much all you need to have. But inside, I had some wounds and some issues because of my abuse that had not been addressed. I had not grieved. The loss of my innocence, the loss of my childhood, the loss of my family. Um, I had just been surviving. I had been pressing forward and doing what I had to do to take care of me. But I finally got to a place. I finally got to a place uh, when I was going through my divorce where I couldn't do it anymore. I could not do it anymore. I could not just go on as though nothing had happened. Um, the insult, um, how how do they say add insult to injury? Um, my divorce was ugly because of the divorce. I got involved with a rebound relationship that was just as bad or more ugly than the divorce because, um, in my marriage, my first marriage, I, it wasn't good, but I knew, I felt like I knew my first husband. At least I knew what he brought to the table and, um, what kind of a person he turned out to be. But in that rebound relationship, I was totally taken aback. Um, not that I wasn't warned and, um, You have to read my book to understand what I mean by that. I was warned, but I was at a place in my life where I didn't care anymore and I had to have something different. I felt like I had to have something different. I had to try something different. And I was just overwhelmed that this person who I thought was so attractive and so talented and what, 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 you know, would be interested in someone like me, you know, because I had, I had, um, self-esteem issues, not even knowing I had self-esteem issues because I was a pretty positive can-do type person. But anyway, I was just so glad that this person was interested in me until I just pushed over the warnings and jumped in with both feet. And when they used and abused me and, and, um, treated me like, and told me that I was nothing but a sex sex object that it was all about the sex um, that I didn 't mean anything to them like that, not like that anyway that you know basically I was getting too attached and i couldn 't handle the situation. Oh, you talk about devastated add insult to injury, you talk about seriously devastated to be used. Again, I, I, it brought, it, it, it uprooted emotions that I didn't even know I had because I had suppressed my emotions. I always had the memory of and knew what had happened to me, but I had suppressed my emotions. But to be used and abused and tossed aside in that manner again, oh, it, it took me for a loop and I hit rock bottom. I hit rock bottom, I was, I had no more fight in me, I had no more, I hope, I became hopeless, I began to feel like, you know what, if this is all the world has to offer, it's not worth it, I'm tired of living this way, people are cruel, life is cruel, no matter how hard you try, you don't get ahead, I hit rock bottom. While I was going to school to further my education, um, when I had moved out of my home and moved to a completely different city, while I was going through a divorce, all of this just came crashing in on me and I came to the end of myself. That is how I describe it in my book, coming to the end of myself. No more fight, no more will no more interest i slowly i sank into a depression Um, i know what depression feels like (laughs) i know what depression feels like all the pain that i had experienced growing up as a child was nothing compared to this dark time in my life and one of the main reasons that it was darker is because i became angry with the lord I became angry with the Lord. I became disillusioned at this point. Up until then, I was, I was a Christian. Um, I wasn't a strong of a witness as I am now, but I believed in the Lord and I served him to the best of my ability at that time. So I became disillusioned. I became, I, became, I felt, I blamed the Lord. I became angry with him. And I felt like he had let me down and I felt like I had tried all those years to live right and to live for him and that he abandoned me and let me down, that he let my marriage fall apart anyway. Um, And so I turned I turned loose of of him and decided to do my own thing. And I tell you you talk about darkness. You talking about the depths of despair. You talk about oh, just just not wanting to live anymore. Um, I I know what it's like for people who try to commit suicide, uh, who want to commit suicide because it got that bad for me, where I actually made uh, an attempt, where I made an attempt, where I laid down in front of my fireplace which was uh, not one of those type of fireplaces that you just put wood in and burn it and, you know, the smoke goes up the chimney. But it was the type of fireplace that you turn the little gas, you turn the gas on, you turn it on with a gas um, pilot. And I laid in front of that fireplace and I drank uh, some wine coolers so that I could knock out. and, And I hoped that I would not wake up again, that was my plan was not to wake up again I was tired I was done, I just wanted the pain to stop I wanted the pain of living to stop and to go away and my hope was that I wouldn't wake up again but thanks be to God, that he had a plan for me, that my plan wasn't his plan, that he knew that this day would come where I would be on the air right now sharing my story, sharing my testimony to help someone else who was in my shoes or who is in my shoes, you know, the shoes that I walked in now, God had a plan for me. He always had a plan for me, but he made, he intervened and he made his plan known to me. Now, of course, I'm kind of fast forwarding because I'm down to two minutes, but I didn't want to leave you with all of the hardship. And the pain, and of course I I couldn't tell it all in an hour, but I wanted to let you know that I am here today, I am here tonight, and I am telling my story, and I will continue to tell my story um, as long as God gives me breath and allows me to do so, because he gave me hope. When I had no hope, he rescued me. He didn't, even, he didn't allow me to succeed in taking my life. He supernaturally intervened. If you want to know how, you're going to have to get my book so that you can find out how he did that. He turned my life around, turned it right side up, and um, gave me a fairy tale outcome. I can't say ending because I'm still living. I'm still living and it's not over with yet. (laughs) But he gave me an unbelievable, remarkable outcome. And he can do the same thing for you. He can do the same thing for you. Jesus came that we might be saved he came to bind up the broken-hearted he came to heal the sick he came to set captives free and he can do the same thing for you Christ. Be your